0: there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light
1: while you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber.
0: here had been built on flat land with barely a bump. Down muddy dirt streets between the warehouses she could see houses and inns and taverns of wood and stone. Their roofs of slate or tile had oddly sharp corners and some rose to a point. Beyond these she could make out a high wall of dark grey stone and behind it the tops of towers with balconies high around them and white domed palaces. The domes had a squared shape to them, and the tower tops looked pointed, like some of the roofs outside the wall. All in all, Tyr was easily as big as Camelin or Tarvalon, and if not so beautiful as either, it was still one of the great cities. Yet she found it hard to look at anything but the Stone of Tear. A queen, chapter something, in <laughs> the dragon reborn. <laughs>
1: We don't need a chapter. It's in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's in Following the Craft, but I can't remember. Chapter 48? I found it. Yeah. But it's in there. Hello
1: and welcome back. I'm here with my good friend Tracy.
0: I'm here with my delightful friend Amber.
1: And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And today we are back with another 101 Woo-hoo! on the legendary Nation of Tear.
0: I am excited we decided to go with Tier.
1: You know, the more I learn about Tier, the less I like Tier.
0: <laughs> okay, tell as me why. As a people, why.
1: as a, as a, as a nation. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah. they're people just, they're not treated very well. And also like, I have it hanging in the back of my head the tv show
0: where mm. we've got young
1: swan and her dad and i'm like oh those terra nobles are just terrible
0: yeah well and like how they how they destroy his home like swan's father's home like
1: what the heck they and- were right on the money with that i feel like this cold open with little baby tier and papa Papa Sanjay is just gut wrenching, but mm-hmm. they drive home like the culture mm-hmm. and the lack of care given to those of a lower class. Like yeah. it's so right, like it's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Everything that I looked through in the past two days, I was like, "This, one hundred percent, they did this." I think flawlessly.
0: I agree. I agree. There's a lot about it that feels very historically influenced in a lot of ways, and there are so many things that, like, stuck out to me when I was reading. So I'm excited to, like, dive through the first half spoiler-free, like we usually do. We're going to do kind of the background, the culture, uh, the stupid government. (laughs) (laughs)
1: the stupid government indeed
0: oh man that's where it really is like it's so it's so 18th century france it's so 18th century france the way that the nobility is set up minus a king that's how it feels and i'm like yes because that's like my candy area
1: well that's like a lot of European history in general. Like, there was a lot of, like, duchies, too. So they didn't have, Mm -hmm. like, a king, but they had leaders. And... Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is fun. Even down to, like, the clothing and stuff. I had a great time looking through what Tyrian clothing... And actually, okay, so that's something else that I found out while I was reading about Tyr. Did you happen to read, like, a pronouncement for like how to say their nation, like Tarion. It's supposed to be Tarion, like tearing a piece of paper. And I don't know if it's like I'm tearing it apart.
1: (laughs) That was so bad. (laughs) I think it's just one of those I don't know. It's a funny thing that Robert Jordan does where Mm -hmm. he goes so into the world building where it's like, oh okay, this is like this. But my understanding from it was pretty spot on because I'm pretty sure a big chunk of the Dragon Reborn I listened to on audiobook. Mm. So it was always Tear and Terrans. Like the people are oh, Terrans.
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool. I haven't ever really listened to the audiobooks for this series. I've always read them. So I love that you have that experience. And I mean, I'm sure they probably asked about pronunciations before reading the audiobook would be my guess but I don't know I've never recorded for an audiobook before <laughs> so should we jump in history and location yeah. of Tier. so the thing that is this is another nation where Tier is the nation and Tier is also the name of the capital city so a lot of the time I think we're mostly going to be talking about Tier the city i think since that's like
1: yeah i mean the nation itself like i found it interesting that their like sigil for tier is cre- three crescent moons i don't know why the number three but i think robert mm. jordan likes his threes you know and like very often it's like three bangs of the staff or whatever <laughs> but The nation of Tyr is a crescent moon. Mm -hmm. And it's like the opening is facing down into the Bay of the Storm of Seas. So like flawless execution. Like Mm -hmm. totally makes sense. That's why the sigil would be a crescent moon. But if you're looking at the area that Tyr, the nation, it covers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it reminds Mm -hmm. me of we're going to get into like a little bit of <laughs> our world politics but just how valuable having access to a port is for yes. a nation yep i mean it makes your military stronger if you're able to have a fleet of ships and protect your country from that way from the seaside mm-hmm. as well as having geological structures to protect it mm-hmm. but the way that Tyr is set up, like not only is the capital of Tyr within Tyr,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's right in a place that is so kind of like perfectly defended mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have the stone of Tyr within mm-hmm. the city of Tier. we'll talk about that later. But to get to the actual stone of tear, you would have to come, if you're coming from the water, you would have to come from south, Mm -hmm. the storm of seas, because tear is on the very southern part of the continent. And then you would have to navigate these treacherous fingers of the dragon, which again Mm -hmm. we saw in that cold open episode of Swan Sanche, where Mm -hmm. it almost looks like like these snaking, really kind of hidden passageways that just ebb and flow in different directions and twist and turn and wind. Mm -hmm. And it kind of feels like this swampland almost, Mm -hmm. which again, like as I was looking things up, I was like, that's right on the money. That's exactly how it should be. Mm -hmm. But to get to the Stone of Tear, you would have to navigate these Fingers of the Dragon. And Mm -hmm. it is impossible unless you are a Terran Mm-hmm. Or maybe, perhaps, Mier, because, of course, yeah. they're, like, mm-hmm. sea-carrying people. Because, of course. <laughs> right? Right. But you wouldn't be able to kind of just, you know, head up the coast and mm-hmm. dock at the harbor in Tier and be like, oh, we're going to storm the Stone of Tyr. Like, that's just not a simple reality. So, Mm-mm. like, they are heavily guarded in that aspect.
0: I agree. And like you said, the stone of Tear itself is like, good luck, guys. But again, we'll get to that later. When it comes to Tear as a nation, I just kind of noticed this, and I don't know if like you said this already, but Tear itself is almost shaped like a bit of a crescent moon or a banana. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Either. Could you imagine if there's three bananas? (laughs) It is now. (laughs) I love it. Um, So one of the things about tier as a nation is that tier as a city is really self-centered. And so the taxation system has made it so that there really are no other large cities to compete with tier as a center of commerce and therefore economic gain for the nobles and lords and whatnot but they have one other city that they're kind of like okay i guess you get to be a city and it's godan godan g-o-d-a-n but it is on mm-hmm. like the very opposite side of tier it's very close to Mayen.
1: yeah it's a non okay so like this mouth of this bay, mm-hmm. there's a peninsula that comes off like the right side of Tyr and kind of It looks like down. a cowboy boot. So, <laughs> so on one side, you have like the storm of seas where you've got like this mm-hmm. bay, but then this little peninsula that comes down kind of isolates the other side, and that's yeah. where Gordon is. So mm-hmm. I feel like the only reason they might be allowed to have their own setup is because they're technically on, like, a different side of the bay, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't compete necessarily.
0: Right, right. I would think that its location to uh, Maine, like, how close it is to Maine, would also be, like, in the Terran Nobles' interest as well. Like, that's probably a way easier spot to keep an eye on what Mayen is doing. Like what if Ma'in suddenly decided to fill that bay up with a huge navy? Tear would never know it if they didn't have somebody there to watch what was going on. You know what I mean? Like right. they're always looking for a way to pounce on Mayen. Poor Maine.
1: I always say Mayan. Mayan? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but this it's this bay of Ramara, I can't really read that too well. But yeah, yeah, it's their own they have access to their own little bay right there. Mm -hmm. And Godan is perfectly set up to either Mm -hmm. spy if they want. Like they have eyes on this bay. So like you said they would be able to see if any action was going down over there. Mm -hmm. But it also would be kind of a it's also a defensive location Yes, because we've got mountains. Yep, right in between Tier and Mayan mm-hmm. that would separate it. So, like the only way you're getting in is through this bay. It looks mm-hmm. like and Gordon is like positioned right there, so they mm-hmm. couldn't cut through and get into Tier. Yeah. It's really... Sneaky Terrans. I know. Sneaky Terrans.
0: Right? (laughs) Like, it's only for their own self-interest that this gets set up this way. And I think it's really fascinating. Well done, Robert Jordan. Right? I just love it. I just love it. So, since we we kind of are big fans of anything regarding defenses or fortresses,
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, wait, before we go there, I did oh, want to yeah? say, though, there was one Please. thing that I kind of wanted to talk about because we've got Tyr, the city, and we've got Gord- Godan, the city. Uh-huh. And like you said, like, those are kind of like the only main two. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of land within Tier, And what's fascinating is that the people of Tyr – aren't allowed to just, like, settle it. Like, they're Mm -mm. not allowed to, like, live off of this land because, Mm -mm. again, it's this fear of economic competition. Yeah. So the mouth of the sea means money, which means the high lords don't want anyone spreading out and taking any land for themselves because, again, competition. Like, they want to control all the economics within this area. So... You've got little, I'm sure, little like fishing villages here and there where people are much poorer than within the main cities. Mm -hmm. But you can't go ahead and like strike it out and create Mm -hmm. another city within tier, especially the closer you get to the coast. Mm -hmm. Like it's forbidden.
0: Yeah. And like the taxation levels that are created around how villages develop are also really restrictive like in a lot of villages you're taxed more for the more houses you have in your village so you are basically economically suppressed from being able to attain a higher income for yourself and your family it's just wild it's
1: wild yeah and then too like before right before we talk about the stone of Mm tear I just want to point out that, yeah, it's a fortress. Mm -hmm. But before we even talk about the fortress, it's surrounded by this Mm. big wall. Mm -hmm. And then within the wall is, like, the inner city. Mm -hmm. And then you have the stone. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're within this inner city, you're a little bit better off. Mm -hmm. But once you get outside of the city... It doesn't explicitly say that these are swamplands, but, but the way it's described is like yeah. this mucky, mucky, messy, hard to travel area. Yeah, They even wear like these <laughs> like platform sandals, yes. like clogs kind of because it's just, it's so hard to even walk around out there that you're like, mm-hmm. need even muck. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, it's not an accessible place.
0: No, and this is, I mean, again, like we have in Kyrian, we have that city that's built up outside the Mm gates. You know, they're defenseless Mm -hmm. out there, and no one really thinks about protecting those people. They don't even, I mean, the upper classes of people in Tier don't even think about
1: peasants, quote-unquote, as people. So it's... I'm so glad you brought up Kyrian because I even wrote that in my notes. Yeah? Good. (laughs) Yeah, because there's this port district. Yeah. And like the mall is called the mall, like M-A-U-L-E, not like Mm -hmm. let's go shop at the mall. But (laughs) it's pretty much like I feel like a combination of the foregate in mm-hmm. Kyrian mm-hmm. and the Rahad in Abu Dhar, where it's like this is where, like, the lower class people congregate mm-hmm. and
0: it's have always, stuff
1: set up for themselves.
0: Yeah, it's always more dangerous. It's always, like, the scent is always commented on, like, how bad it smells. Yeah. Um, very fishy of course in tier because they're Mm -hmm. right by the sea and I know for me that would make me feel sick all the time
1: I'm convinced the mall is like Hamburg yeah (laughs) it's like the red light district of Hamburg (laughs) yes it's where like all of the sailors and dock workers would find like Mm. rooms like it's where if you were traveling through like this is where you would find an Mm -hmm. inn to stay but it's kind of like you said like kind of dank and stinky mm-hmm. and there's a lot of action going on so i was like oh yeah this is like hamburg like the red light district like oh that's fun <laughs> <laughs> i've never been there i've never been there i'm not saying the red light district is stinky i've never been there women <laughs> aren't allowed in but <laughs> it's more in. like yeah, yeah. So if that's where they had prostitution in tier, that's where it would be. For sure. Oh yeah.
0: Unless they were like really high class, maybe. Maybe. I don't that's why I don't think the
1: sailors and dock workers need Yeah, you know. but
0: I mean frequently wealth and aristocracy, like they're less than traditional Sexual forays. <laughs> so you know, there's always like a high class madam somewhere. I doubt she's letting you know her know, You fishy. know, the Terran
1: nobles make them come to them. Oh,
0: good point. And they probably haven't like scrubbed and cleaned and whatnot. Those snobs. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know if we need to talk about prostitution in the of time, but yeah, you're absolutely and how it doesn't right.
1: exist.
0: It's so weird. <laughs> You, you can't t- – it's there. It's there. Robert Jordan just didn't want to talk about it. Prostitution is always there. That's depressing. Anyway, I- I'm glad that you brought us back to Tear of the City. I kind of had, like, just jumped right past it instead of, like, um, actually t- talking about it. Gosh, my brain. Um, I'm trying to think if I had anything that I wanted to add to – Oh, so, like, in Tear the City, one of the things that I like, because I was kind of paging through um, the Dragon Reborn last night, is how even though Tear is not a place where, like, social climbing is possible, it is slightly possible, if that makes sense. Because, like, some of the buildings that are in... What, like, within the walled area are these grand, ogier-built, near-palace creations of architecture. And next to them will be, like, little wooden built inns that are, like, four stories tall and whatever. So, like, where there's been space inside Tier for the right people, you can get inside the walls. But it feels as though that space is really full right now. So...
1: Maybe So I yeah, mean, there is, there is a chance for upward mobility, in a class-wise. Yeah, but, but it's hard. You have to, it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's not something that like is just work and you'll and you'll get there. It's like maybe cut a few throats and you might get there. Like that's just how Tear mm-hmm. feels. You're right. They're pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Okay, I don't know if I have anything more to say about Tier as a city.
1: To the stone. Mm.
0: The stone stands and has for a really, really, really long time. Right? Like, since the breaking, like, the end of the
1: breaking of the world? Yeah. Yeah. It's... Okay. Again... <laughs> Got to go back to the TV show. This would be my only nitpick. Is yeah. that they had the Stone of Tear, like, up, elevated, high up, so that when they're on these little waterways, you could kind of see it, like, way far back in the background like that. Yeah. And I don't think that it's necessarily supposed to be, like, built up so high. Yeah. Because it's, tier is pretty flat. Yes. But... I mean, it makes for better TV if you're like, oh, I can see it. Because if Tyr was completely flat, you'd never see the Stone of Tyr in that shot. So.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. happen. No, you're but right. But it is
1: really old. It's. I mean, it is a, I'm, I might want to say it's probably one of the coolest fortresses mm-hmm. within the Wheel of Time. Like, yeah. it is just ass <laughs> the history of it is really cool mm-hmm. like you said it's it's probably the oldest stronghold within the wheel of time that's still standing mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's what it's for a place like tear this has to be a little weird and one of those things that you just want to bypass and we'll get to that when we get to the culture part but like the one power was used to make it which is one of the reasons why it's so massive and impenetrable like for as long as the stone has existed whoever holds the stone are we ready whoever holds the stone holds (laughs) tear there's the quote for tear
1: yeah it was it was built by channelers so Mm -hmm. breaking of the world happens and then they build the stone of tear and it's you know, flows of air and fire and earth was used to like draw these sta- these stones mm-hmm. from supposedly every corner of the world and fuse it into a single massive structure without any joints or seams or mortar. Mm-hmm. So, like when I think of power wrought weapons. Like we mm-hmm. talked about on our YouTube episode for the Blade Masters, mm-hmm. how you thought, like, you know how they bend and fold the metal mm-hmm. when they're mm-hmm. making a sword. Yeah. And they probably like somehow use the one power to do that. Like it almost feels like they're like, We're gonna just heat up everything. And melt it into this giant structure Mm -hmm. of stone. Like, what did they do? Revert it back to magma? And we're like, okay, and now we have a giant stone fortress. There are no bricks. There are no mortars. There are no seams. Not a mouse can sneak through anywhere unless, you know, they allow it.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say it that way. Like, did they use hot magma to build it? Because when you were talking about them channeling and bringing everything to them, in my head, that's kind of how it all comes together is like the stone and heat and everything so that it's all one piece. I don't know how else you would be able to make that happen. Right? Right. That must have been a sight to see. How long do you think it took them? Is there anything about like how long it took for it to be built?
1: No, but I would imagine it just depends on how many people they had doing it together. Yeah. I mean, if you don't need bricks... You right? just have to have, like, a keen, intuitive mind for architecture to be like, okay, like, we're going to make rooms here. <laughs> and, you know, like, how do you build something like that where it's not just a giant domed cave, you know? Yeah. Like, there are rooms and stuff. Well,
0: okay, so one of the things that I found really interesting when I was looking at a map of Tier was there's, like, a bit of an aerial view, if you will, of the city, and so there's also a bit of an aerial view of the stone. And I hadn't ever looked at, like, this map before, but the way that this is done has, like, buildings and stuff inside the stone, but it's open on top. Does that make sense? Like, it's al- it looks yeah, almost like, like another... Courtyards, almost? Yes, yeah, yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, I just don't know. I just don't know. I have a lot of questions. Well, I about I guess the Stone if they,
1: I guess if they formed the walls first, uh huh, and then did everything else afterwards. Like, That's a, yes, did, did, it, did it like normally, like make the foundation and then yeah. fill in the gaps.
0: Yeah. And, like, go through and chisel and create with the one power the way that you want it to look. Because, I mean, those walls, the thickness of those walls is insane. Of course no one can get in there.
1: So, I mean, no matter how good of a channeler you are, if you're not an architect, it's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I want to know which Aes Sedai or which channeler was overseeing this. (gasps) Who was the foreman?
0: Right? I mean, there had to have been so many of them working together.
1: And it's just interesting that... mm, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. I guess I can say it like this. It's interesting that this structure was made with channelers. Mm -hmm. Especially considering... Mm-hmm. the hatred of mm-hmm. channelers in current day Tear. Yes. Or is it possible that this somehow this hatred is because the Stone of Tear is impenetrable if I, Aes I were ever inside the Stone of Tear, they would never be able to give it up like no one would ever mm-hmm. be able to get it back. Mm-hmm. It's that important for Tear as a society that it's That it's the place of the high lords. Because Mm -hmm. if anyone else has the stone, they're not getting it back. Mm -mm.
0: No, and it has changed hands throughout its existence, I think is probably a good way of saying it. Because it started out, so right after the breaking, and then you have like it changing hands through... Arthur Hawkwing and blah blah blah. So Tear had formerly been other nations and other authorities had held the Stone of Tear. So because this has been held by different people, it's been used in different ways. And the interior of the Stone of Tear is actually kind of amazing sounding in my head. It's very grand. It's still maybe a bit rough and stone-like in places but there are these grand palatial rooms like ridiculous and the interiors of them are opulently decorated and have like sumptuous bedding and like blah 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 and so for a long time the people who held tier who were kings and queens they kept those rooms And at one point, they had also been used for, like, high-ranking foreign dignitaries to use, but since Tyr has come underneath the rule of, like, a group of nobles instead of just one person, those rooms have just remained empty. So there are these glorious rooms inside of the Stone of Tyr that are doing nothing but collecting dust and have been like that for, like, a thousand years or something crazy, like... What a waste. You know
1: that's where the current high lords are just hanging out cards. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, they go in there and they tell themselves someday, someday this will be mine. But I just thought that was yeah. kind of interesting that it's like, I love it when it has a history, and when things just kind I of found, sit and are waiting.
1: I found a really cool story about the battle that took place there. Yeah. And it was not at all what I expected because you had brought up in the Archer Hawkwing time. Mm -hmm. So like if we go back to, I want to say the free years, it was like around 940-ish that time Mm -hmm. when Archer Hawkwing was kind of gaining momentum there was a dragon. There was a self-proclaimed dragon reborn at that time, Amalasen.
0: Mm-hmm. Amalasen. I love the name.
1: Yes. Yes. So he had a big battle versus the holders of the Stone of Tear, And that whole story is really cool, but it's just, you know, like footnotes, like very mm-hmm. a very small amount <laughs> where we get a battle and there's not really anything – Mm-hmm. There's not too much described about it. But this Amalasan guy proclaims himself the Dragon Reborn and he starts picking up followers left and right and he's grabbing nations. Like he seems pretty much unstoppable. And this was Arthur Hawkwing's only like real adversary at this moment. Really? Yes. So Amalasan takes Darmovin which this is like current day Almith Plain, Toman Head area. Okay. And he's like, okay, I took it. I'm the leader now. And he goes about and starts scooping up many of these other nations. And then what we call tier at this time was called Morina. And this tier area, Morina, falls to Amalassan. And he takes the whole area except the Stone of Tear. He mm. couldn't take the Stone of Tear. But it wasn't just for the fact that it's the stone and no one can take the stone. It's because there were like 30 Aes Sedai posted up taking refuge in the Stone of Tear and they fend it off from Amalasen and his like huge like army of followers. So like... He took this whole nation, which is current day tier, Mm -hmm. and about 30-ish Aes Sedai fled to the stone, and they have like this big last stand. And I was thinking about those possible prequel movies, and I was like, "Yeah, that would be cool. That That would be cool. That would be
0: cool. That would be cool to give like a little extra context to how – badass and actually important the stone of tear is
1: we'll say this within the stone of tear there is something important an item of importance and we'll talk about that in the spoiler section okay i believe the next thing that we have is
0: the social structure of tear
1: okay do you care if we talk about the defenders of the stone at Not all? Not at
0: all. No, I specifically read up on
1: them. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm like, long story short, they're only there to protect the rich. <laughs> like, yep. they're essentially, I'm doing air quotes, an elite military unit of tier, and they're housed within the stone of tier. But again, like, how elite can you be if you're behind these walls, right? Like, anywho. Interesting. Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. Right? Like, doesn't it kind of seem a little bit, like, presumptuous to call them an elite military if they're just packed into an area that can't be attacked? Um. (laughs) Like...
0: So, like, they could, they could be, like, the most complacent soldiers ever? Like, they don't care about practicing well, and they just... Well,
1: that's the thing. Like, they don't do... They they essentially do nothing except act as, like, riot police to keep, like, the less fortunate of tier from doing an uprising, you know? Like, gonna have me an uprising. And then they, like, come out and just beat the crap out of people. Because like the commoners in tier are prevented from seeking any grievances against lords, just because like if you come to like the court system and being like, well they wronged me by doing this, they'll just imprison you and be mm-hmm. like, mm, sorry about your luck. So like they don't have any way of kind of guarding themselves against the like injustices done to them by the high lords. Mm-hmm. And the defenders of the stone are basically just like this privatized police force that come in and make sure that the high lords aren't getting too much flack from like the common people, which how very Terran hmm. of them, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's see here. So in The Companion, it says they also acted as the watch in the city of Tyr. Um, So they at least have to be able to beat up peasants. Um.
1: (laughs) Right, but it's like, I mean. (laughs) No,
0: I I know. I'm saying that, like, super facetiously. Um, Mm. Because, I mean, they're armored, and even if they aren't, like, the best soldiers, they're still probably trained enough to, like, be intimidating mm-hmm. to a majority of people. And I'm sure they travel in a pack kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it says, uh, the let's see here. Their duties did not normally take them beyond the city to any great degree, however, except in times of war. So, at least... I guess, because I mean, that's the other thing is like Tyr doesn't have a standing army. It has, just like Kyrian, and it is one of the nations that the nobles are the ones who have to raise the money and all of the stuff that goes along with it to have soldiers to fight a war when and if one happens. And they do like war, so that does happen.
1: they're probably looking out for myan and mm-hmm. looking to bust some peasant skulls every yeah. now and again.
0: But they probably like I don't see them being the ones that are like sent out first. You know, like they're probably the guys that hang back and quote unquote defend <laughs> defend the stone because right. Well, yeah, invenible. like.
1: Right, it has defenders in the name, so mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like they're an offensive military. That's, and too that's... like I don't see the high lords of Tier sending them out Mm-mm. for any reason other Mm-mm. than their own self-interest. So like if there's a war that breaks out somewhere and it doesn't involve Tier, they're not going to send these people out Mm-mm. for any reason.
0: No. And they'll want somebody there to like cover their butts.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, they need so. to hide in the in the
0: big palatial rooms and the defenders can so, slug it out. Yeah,
1: like Swiss- Switzerland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is one of those things where you could actually rise in rank through the defenders of the stone That's what I was
1: just gonna say. Oh, oh
0: well I read your mind then.
1: Twin brain. <laughs> twin brain. Go ahead. Yes. I liked
0: I liked when you said last week when we were sitting together that our brains had sandwiched together. Sandwiched. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like that. We would have a really tasty brain sandwich. Such a weird thing to say. <laughs> Standing by it. Savor. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yikes we would be a feast the elfin the elfin elfin I always say it wrong Uh, so anyway as we mentioned before it's really really difficult to rise to anything above peasant in tier it's set up that way specifically however the defenders of the stone have the opportunity to rise in rank so if you mm-hmm. can prove, which I mean would possibly make it so that you do try a little bit harder. Like, if you're one of those people who's like, I really don't want to be a peasant, but I'm yearning to be a badass, and you join the defenders. Like, if you prove yourself a capable fighter and tactician and whatnot, maybe that's how you get an improved group of defenders, possibly, by opening it up for competition. Yeah.
1: A way to rise out of poverty? Yeah. I mean, you might get sent back to where you're from though and have to start put people you know like under the boot oh, of your heel. But... Oh
0: my gosh, yeah, that's a good point. Because then you're suddenly interesting. Like, Ooh yeah. I mean you can definitely see where that would potentially Oof, lead to some resentment. I mean, it's not unheard of for soldiers to suddenly realize that they're fighting against people that are closer to them as, like, family and socioeconomic status than the people that they're defending and swap sides mm-hmm. or just stand aside and allow gates to be opened.
1: Mm, interesting. Right? That's what I was thinking. hmm yeah. Maybe the Stone of Tear could fall if the defenders were like, you know what? I'm over this shit. You
0: know, (laughs) (laughs) it would be the women that would convince them too. Like, that's another historical thing that I I think is really fun. Like, I'm thinking uh, Russian Revolution. I think it's the Flower Riots. Uh, The women, like, walked around and talked to the soldiers who were also, like, barely being taken care of. And they were like, hey, we're going to have a riot tomorrow. If you don't mind, step aside. And they were like, okay. That could potentially happen, you know, with like the defenders. Maybe that's why they get fancy outfits. (laughs) So they can feel good about themselves. Like they're level up. To impress the women. (laughs) Well, and also to like make, like maybe make that transition away from feeling as though they have an allegiance to their peasant background question mark
1: it's very possible it's very possible
0: yeah and I mean we can probably get into that more when we get into clothing because that's another place where class is really distinctly marked by what people wear and it's I mean when you become a a defender of the stone you're given uh, what is it they're like black jackets with puffy sleeves and gold
1: their outfits are absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. They're so I love very
0: it. Yeah, like I see in my head, especially after doing like some digging and we'll get into it. Unless we want to I mean, we are talking about the defenders. This is their outfit. It's like 15th century, 16th century ish. Like puffy velvet sleeve kind of thing. I can even see like the breastplates and the like the weird mm-hmm. shaped ridged helms that they have for their headgear. They wear plumes. Like, they use feather Oh, my plumes. God, the plumes. Yeah, that's how they – like, this is what my rank is. Check out how frilly I am. Like, <laughs> they preen their, their prancing princess defenders with their – I don't know. It just makes me laugh. Like, they just sound so – Dolled out of them, high, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder what kind of hairstyles they have, because in Kyrian it's different, right? Like soldiers have um, a different haircut, like a bowl cut. Yeah, but do you, like do the, the defenders do the weird pointy? Huh. I didn't look into that. Somebody knows Amber. Do you know?
1: I don't remember about the hairstyles of the defenders. Just the weird shaped hats and puffy sleeves. Puffy sleeves, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Anyway, so they're they're going to be dressed very differently. Like their breeches are going to be tight, and most of them will be wearing like knee high boots um and when we get to like talking about what the the peasants wear it's very different it's a it's a marked difference between people who live inside the walled section of tier and have money and those who do not Mm -hmm. very much a have have not place where we've got a lot of inequality when it comes to income gosh this sounds wow familiar i feel like i've heard this somewhere before (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the high lords are basically a bunch of oligarchs that run the nation i, mean, I don't know if there's, there's any nothing anyone about can, it <laughs> there's nothing anyone can do about it yeah which has like huge implications for the story and the books as it goes on yeah yes
0: Yup. oof okay so let's see here anything more on defenders no okay So, culture? Yes. Cool. The first thing that I had listed out for culture is their abhorrence of channeling. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. just, they don't like it.
1: I was trying to think, like, as I was laying in bed last night, where this all stemmed from. Like, where did this begin? And it seems very odd and contradictory, that their greatest defense, the Stone of Tear, was actually made by female channelers. Mm -hmm. Yet, Mm -hmm. there is this hatred of channelers Mm -hmm. within Tear. And I guess it just comes down to the prophecy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's something about how
0: they feel as though they're protecting the world from falling into the hands of the dragon reborn like nobody wants the dragon to come back and tear is part of the prophecy and the stone is of course tear and so it's part of the prophecy as well
1: i hope i said that right well yeah yeah and that's the thing like it's hard because i don't want it to veer too far off Mm -hmm. into spoilers Mm -hmm. but Just like the saying of Tyr, whoever holds the stone is the ruler of Tyr, Mm -hmm. if the dragon reborn shows up on your doorsteps, the high lords are going to need to change their puffy pants. (laughs) Take your
0: puffy pants shove it.
1: Right. I mean like they they don't want to they don't want to lose any power no mm-hmm. matter what. So nope. like Dragon Keeping, reborn, scary dude.
0: Yeah, keep him away because it's it's all about power when it comes to Tear. It's all about controlling right. power and money. What it comes and down to. And they're so
1: controlling that you're not even allowed to own prophecy, the prophecies of the dragon within mm-hmm. tier. Like yeah. you will be imprisoned for owning anything any literature on the prophecies of the dragon.
0: Yeah. Jesus,
1: tear! I mean, come on. <laughs> come on.
0: This is what makes Papa Sanche send his young daughter off in a boat by herself to go to Tarvalon. You know? Yeah, another thing that I found her.
1: is that, right, and I remember on our Swan Sanche YouTube episode, we were like, do you think she ever went back? Mm-hmm. And after looking at just doing my research, it says that for the most part, if you're sent off to the White Tower, if you're a female channeler and they send you off, mm-hmm. usually the day that it is discovered you can channel, mm-hmm. you don't come back. Mm-hmm. It is I don't want to say suggested, but and when in- you are when you are leaving, you're pretty yeah. much told like never show your face here again. Like yeah. this town you will not be welcomed back ever again it's an as implied, a chandler and that's heartbreaking yeah
0: it's an implied exile
1: yes, strongly suggested exactly.
0: politely worded yes email.
1: <laughs> yes maybe not exactly. so much the last one
0: i don't think burning down people's homes counts as polite jerk faces they're such jerks
1: friggin tear
0: awful that said they do say some fun things if we want to, like, jump into just a few of our favorite Tyrion sayings.
1: Go for it.
0: I think it's really funny how everything is attached to, like, fish in some way. It Mm, absolutely mm -hmm, makes mm -hmm. sense, but it's it sounds peculiar. Did I say that right? Peculiar? Um, Especially when you hear someone like Swan say it. Like, she may be the Amerlin seat, but she's still, like, a fisherman's daughter, and she's proud of it. And, like, the things that come out of her mouth sometimes, like, saying fish guts or, like, I'm throwing you into um, a boat that has a hole in it with no paddle or bucket and wishing you the best of luck kind of thing. Like, it's always attached to... Something to do with the water and something to do with fish. And even in like the Dragon Reborn, there's a point where one of the women, they're talking about nobles and they're in the mall, not the shopping mall, but the M-A-U-L-E mall. <laughs> Let's go to the Let's mall. To the mall. <laughs> so she says that silverfish don't swim with mud something or another like mudfish or whatever, but like everything is a fish, a sea reference and it's just kind of fun.
1: I like too how these fish isms, I always call them swanisms, it seems <laughs> to be more of like a low class thing. Like a wit yeah. like an identifier. Yeah. Where like the nobles wouldn't be speaking like this, but it's kind of become a subculture of the Terran people like the yes. this way of speak so they kind of have their own it's almost like their own little language and yes. I I just kind of think that that's really charming
0: I agree with you I hadn't really thought about it that way but you're absolutely right And I think that's probably why Swan keeps it she's not ashamed right. of where she comes from and
1: She wears it as a badge of pride.
0: Yes, exactly. Those are the words that were floating up to my brain, just as you were saying them. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted to give like a little, like for people who want to read it, that's just one of the delightful things about how diverse cultures can be and feel in the Wheel of Time world. I couldn't help myself when I was looking up research stuff last night and I kept getting kind of like caught up in the chapter I was reading and I was like, no, you're looking for specific stuff. Get out of mm-hmm. there. It's it just, so
1: easy to do.
0: I get pulled in. I'm like, oh, this part. I love this part. I just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So, tear you may suck, but I'm excited to have spent some research time with you this week
1: yeah and it's i mean it's really nice too that we get characters within the series that are the heart of the terran people yeah. you know what i mean like yes there is so much focus on the high lords and mm-hmm. the politics and the inner workings that you can kind of forget that there are common people mm-hmm. in the wheel of time mm-hmm. because so much of it deals with my lord so-and-so, or Aes Sedai politicking, or the Sun Throne, Mm -hmm. or Kyrian, and the Game of Houses. But so often, like, you can forget about the political climate and what it means for the characters that aren't main characters. Mm -hmm. You know, just the apple cart guy wheeling Mm -hmm. around town. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how is the world for these people and mm-hmm. we have characters like swan who through her words we get to kind of get that insight and too like i can understand how some people would get annoyed with all the fish isms like mm-hmm. okay like this is getting a bit much mm-hmm. but it always makes me smile when i see them
0: yeah and fish he- guts exactly and you saying that it's an identifier I I say it's it's done well I don't think it's too much I like that it's there it gives it a little bit of flavor
1: it does for the Mm -hmm. culture there was one thing that I found that was like really it's kind of cool Mm -hmm. like it's kind of cute but the card game that they play in tier. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Did you find that, too?
0: mm I just remember it from um, The Shadow Rising.
1: Yeah. There's a... Well, I mean, Dragon Reborn, too. Matt's playing it, That's right. if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. But they're playing a card game named Chop. Mm-hmm. Like, C-H-O-P. Chop Chop. Mm-hmm. And... Apparently, like, the nobles are addicted to it. Like, addicted. It mm-hmm. said that, like, sometimes they won't stop playing unless, like, their women, like, come drag them mm-hmm. out of the room. And it's like, <laughs> I shouldn't say their women, their wives or girlfriends or whoever, mm-hmm. their loved ones that are women are like, nope, time to go, like, got to feed the horses, got to, like, take care of stuff. And they're like, no. I must play chop. But the ruling... Okay, so here's how the card game kind of looks like and what it's depicted as, like, on the cards. But the ruling nations, I believe, of the Westlands are, like, Mm hand-painted on these cards. And they're represented, like, in the cards and the gameplay. But the highest card, like, the winning card is represented by the high lord of Tier, and then that's the highest suit and then that card Mm -hmm. is called the ruler of cups Mm -hmm. and to me i was like this sounds so much like tarot cards like Mm -hmm. there's always like you know the nine of cups Mm -hmm. the whatever of cups and i'm like spoilers but oh we can come back to it but yeah, it's kind of cool that they have their own, like, gameplay within this nation, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that.
0: I, I think one of the things that's kind of telling about Tier is that they also have, in that game, the Amarillyn seat is one of the high cards, but she is the lowest of the high cards mm-hmm. because they're willing mm-hmm. to admit that, The Amberlynn's seat is a powerful figure in the the Westlands power plays, but they're not willing to give her a whole heck of a lot of power past what they have to like. They're always super grudging about any little thing that might diminish their power. It's so it's so petty. It's so petty. Oh, the nobles. The nobles are awful. We can talk about them in the government
1: part. Yeah, you just just want to see them get their comeuppance, you know? Like, you want to see them, you want to see the small people, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, rise up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Bring in the guillotine. Oh,
1: sorry. Um, Start wearing purple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, the other part to the culture that I think is. I I don't really know what this is. So, for Ilian, there's this intense rivalry between Tyr and Ilian. Apparently, they're always it's trying mm-hmm. to get each other's land and whatnot. And they have these really terrible opinions about each other. And I think one of the things that was like... <laughs> This isn't the companion and it just this just killed me. Okay, so this is this is how they think of each other. This isn't just like Tier thinks of Ilian this way. It's they Ilian also thinks of Tier this way that they would be the sort who would stab one in the back to steal one's purse after one had saved him from drowning and then try to seduce one's wife and daughter while wearing the clothes he had taken from one's still warm corpse. <laughs> and that I appreciate that there is no gender given to this. <laughs> With the exception of like going for wife and daughter, it kind of feels as though doesn't matter. Well,
1: I mean if it were if it were me, I would definitely kill them and then try and seduce their wife. So <laughs> Typical. 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 I mean. (laughs) I don't care. I'll show you. you (laughs) Friggin' Terrans.
0: Doesn't matter. Steal your man, steal your
1: wife, steal your daughter. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) Coming for you.
0: Yeah. Like there is intense. It is an intense rivalry. And this isn't going on for a really long time. And it's another place where it's about getting more, having more at all costs, and destructions of thinking of other people as human beings.
1: Boo. And they're also really, like, on the... They're also very against Mayan as a nation as well.
0: Mm, That's true. There are some moments throughout the series where I'm, like, part of me cheers for Mayen, and part of me is like eh. <laughs> you're tiny it's okay you know but I mean I,
1: I just like an underdog story yeah because as the way that they are presented mm-hmm. in the books like tears just begging for an uprising mm-hmm. and everything that we see it's just like oh some of these people are so awful so you're like Yeah, like, I do want you to fall. I do want there to be change. Mm -hmm. And Mayan being this small little nation, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Stick it to those high lords. You do that.
0: Yeah. it's Get it. I appreciate the tactics that rulers of Mayan have been able to do to keep their little place safe for so long we can probably talk about mm-hmm. them as a nation at another time but it is important to acknowledge mind's role in tear and how they think in regards to how much can they get and this is another I don't want to say distraction but it's another place where they they try to put their energy that kind of like feels gross
1: yeah well, let's skip ahead a little bit because we're almost at an hour and we haven't gotten oh my to schoolers
0: yet. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. Where would you like to go? I have clothing and government, commerce, and inspiration still on our list.
1: Well, I'll give you my very quick. Yes observations of clothing. Yes. So the lords like their slim cut pants Yes. to show off their muscular legs. Ah. I died. I died. (laughs) I can only see that meme of like Spongebob Squarepants where he's like twisting his leg and it's like very muscular.
0: (laughs) I just think of Henry VIII. Check out
1: these calves.
0: He was so proud of his legs. Weltering calves. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was probably like the only body part where he was like, see? Look, look. You know, yeah. Well it's from hefting. He's he was a large man. It was You know what? He was hefting
0: Yeah, but he had like he had he was a very let's not get too lost into Henry the Eighth. He really liked his calves.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just saying he was a bigger guy, right?
0: He was, but he wasn't. Like when he was the type of person who the high lords of Tier would want to look like, they would wanna look like him. Like he was very tall. He was very athletic. He was well-built. And he was really good-looking until he fell off of his horse and was potentially brain damaged. And then he couldn't move as easily. And so he got really (laughs) fat, and he developed ulcers on his beautiful calves that smelled so bad people in the court would know he was on his way by the stench that preceded him. (laughs) (laughs) Right? <laughs> <laughs> historical fact
1: <laughs> but historical, i mean that's yeah facts.
0: that's that is what i think of when i think of the lords of tears and like king francis in uh i think it's king francis in france at the time who was kind of like henry the eighth's rivals and like looks and whatnot and like he actually like was dark and wore like a very kind of pointy-ish beard. Like that's how his portraits show him. And with these big floppy velvet hats with feathers Mm -hmm. and sleeves and slim, slim pants. Slim pants. Slim pants, short coats. Well, I guess we
1: can just say that the Lords of Tear never miss leg day. (laughs) (laughs) My other favorite little piece of information is oh. that the dock workers and laborers of tier.
0: Yeah.
1: They like to go bare chested. So oh, oh boy, hotties. Like. <laughs> it is just I'm I, gonna say I have it. to see
0: the thirst of what? time continues.
1: <laughs> the thirst of time continues. I do not give flying fluff about the High Lords and their calves. But give me the mall and the dock workers, ah,
0: and their throwing pants. barrels
1: into stuff.
0: Yeah, their pants yeah. held up by ropes and cords and whatnot. Shorn, yep. they show off. They show off their bare calves and their short pants and bare feet. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, almost. They
1: almost all go shoeless because mm-hmm. it's so the muddy. mucky muck
0: <laughs> because of the mucky muck um yeah no you're right it is, is because of the mud no it is I mean that's one of the things about like the the clothing of the area is, like especially in the mall you go barefoot your shoes get stuck in the mud
1: or somehow... I was thinking of people <laughs> I can't stop picturing like the mall like a shopping center every time you say it so I'm like every time you go to the mall you got to go shirtless you got to go shoeless with your tight no, no, pants
0: wait. No shoes, no shirt, so no service. This is the wrong mall. No shoes,
1: no shirt, all service.
0: <laughs> the anti-mall mall. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah. that. I love, love, love the clothing description for the people in the mall, though. You know, like I know I, I don't want to super get into it because I know we've got so many other things to talk about. But I would wear that outfit over what the nobles wear. Uh, Those little aprons, those tiered aprons in different colors, yes, yes. And
1: Tracy, and when they are wearing shoes, they're wearing platform Crocs. (laughs) They just sound so cool. I hadn't thought about them. I'm thinking like the '90s, (laughs) the '90s. Those. Huge platform sandals yes. that were popular in like oh the gosh. early 2000s. I had Delia's. A yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes.
0: Mine were real cute.
1: The Terrans are fashionable people. The highborn ladies like to wear these like square-cut, low-cut, very low-cut right. out top. So mm-hmm. lots of ample bosoms. The Terrans like to show a lot of skin, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And if this... they're not showing the skin, they like it tight so they can show <laughs> off there. Well, and they
0: like it kind of both, too, because aren't the bodices for a Terran dress, like, I mean, if they're following the 16th, 17th European style, I think, like, Spain and France were the two main countries that are referenced, like, in the research that I did, um, then they would have had, like, a relatively – not a corset, but they would have had a relatively tight, like, uh, bodice. That's the word I'm looking for. Do
1: Right. You can't – but, I mean, you can't wear, like, something low-cut that's, like, really loose. Like right. That, I mean, gravity, hello. Like right. It doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. It That one makes me – like, the, the women's noble dresses makes me think of – descriptions of elizabeth the first and how she liked to wear uh one one dignitary said that she liked to wear dresses cut down to her navel (laughs) and whether that was like just something that he said or it was true i mean some of her portraits have her with a fairly low cut bust she's not necessarily like bosomy and bursting out like she's very slim like that was one of the things about Elizabeth the first but anyone in those garbs who like gets painted otherwise like they're bosomy alright
1: Tracy time time I don't time. know
0: Robert Jordan like boobs are you sure you don't want to talk about bosoms you know what um, I'm not
1: so sure that he, <laughs> he did because bosoms is only referred to like 20 times but hands crossed under chests
0: Oh. Bosom amplification? Yeah, Hiding? I don't know. I don't know. Government? Yeah. I, this one might be really simple because we've talked about it so much. It's an oligarchy. That's what. Yeah. That's what tier is. It's wealthy. No one ruler,
1: no king or queen, just high lords with a lot of cashola.
0: Yeah, and it's hereditary. So this is not in any way a meritocracy so i guess it would be a hereditary oligarchy which is almost worse it's just worse it's just worse like there's no way to move up the ranks in tier the only way that power is distributed is if like one noble family manages to take over another noble family or a noble family dies out and one needs to be like raised from a pool of lesser nobles like but it's still it's all it's all about the money and the bloodline
1: it's all about the benjamins tracy it is
0: yep that's the government and peasants are barely people which is dangerous
1: there was one thing that i found that was particularly kind of fascinating is Mm -hmm. that it says that the High Lords rule unanimously from the Stone of Tier mm-hmm. And the thing that's cool about this is you know they're not unanimous. Oh, yeah. But they but. always present their rulings to the common people that way. Like yep. this was the unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. So like to be a fly on the wall and see how uh-huh. decisions are made – you know some aren't happy, mm-hmm. but the way that it's presented to the people, it's like, everything's fine. We decided this. Together. Sorry about your luck. You Together. Know? They're Together. all holding hands mm-hmm.
0: as they come out on a balcony to announce. They're just, yeah, they're like, look at us. Oh, we're so happy. It's actually one of the things that I'm looking forward too because there are a lot of things that happen with the Lords of Tear, and I like it. It's political I like it too. Yeah, it's fun. Commerce. Yeah. Okay. So, tier does a lot. They do a lot, as far as like things. Oil,
1: horses, olives. Boom. Yeah.
0: They. Well, those those are the top <laughs> ones. And I don't think anybody really needs me to get. I mean, there's a whole paragraph here in the companion where it's like tier does this and this and this and this and this. Like, they're really good shipbuilders. Their horses are, like, sought after
1: nationwide. No nation can p- compare with a Terran steed, Tracy. Yeah, I mean. The only, yeah, the only thing that I kind of found here that was cool about their horse. hmm Their horses is that they had to cut. So, like, they had a ton of ogier groves mm-hmm. that they just demolished to cut back for, like, pasture for horses. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so, like. Now I just see Tier as like Wyoming or something.
0: <laughs> Man, that is a really boring state to drive through. Yep. Yep. Lots wah, of cows. Wah, wah. We saw a lot of cows. Um I think Oh, they they do make really cool clocks. That was the only one that I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. But other than that, you're right.
1: As far as their economic rivals, again, Mayan mm-hmm. seems to be the big one. So, yeah,
0: yeah, apparently they're like close to the shipbuilding abilities of Tyr, but neither are as good as the sea folk, which is not surprising. They live on their ships. Tyr doesn't even have a navy. I think that's really weird that they don't have a navy, but
1: whatever. I guess they're so fortified, though, from the fingers of the dragon that, mm-hmm. like, you know, what are they going to do?
0: Yeah, if a battle comes, they ra- waste a- resources. hmm Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I mean, of course, because they want money, they're going to build more ships to do trade as opposed to destroy in a battle. So...
1: Yeah, or seems- having, like, ships for an offensive, like, Yeah.
0: That would just potentially okay. stand there and do nothing. Momentary interruption, friends. Since we are not good at remembering to promote
1: ourselves during the show, here's how you can keep the Road to Tarvalin growing. First off, rate and review us wherever you listen to The Road to Tarvalin. This helps new listeners find the podcast.
0: Listener support is available through Anchor. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, with amounts leading up to a generous $9.99 a month.
1: Also, we have a new merch shop. Cozy Contorta was inspired by the books and characters we love, and it's not just Wheel of Time focused. Go check it out at Cozy Contorta on Instagram, or find the link on our website via social media.
0: Income means better equipment, more content, and more opportunities to be able to grow our amazing community. We love you all and feel endlessly grateful to each of our listeners for joining us week after week on the road to Tarvalon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Okay, so spoilers? Yes. Yeah.
0: Where would you like to
1: start? So since we didn't talk about calendar, maybe it's best to bring that up first.
0: Should we do calendar and Objects of Power? Like all kind of lumped together?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I gonna like...
0: like spiral into a lot of the other things that we're going to want to talk about anyway, so perfect.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I think it's funny that like it's like, oh, like Tear doesn't have any objects of the power except Calendor uh... and then this hidden storeroom of Tarangrial that we've got in the basement of the Stone of Tyr. Yeah. No one look at that. <laughs> it's not there. Don't look. <laughs> uh,
0: is it nothing is it... to see? <laughs> It's massive, right? Like isn't it a really yeah. big room? Like maybe an entire Yes.
1: floor? It's I don't a storeroom. it's a yeah. storeroom.
0: And everything's just jumbled in there. It doesn't matter if it's actually an object of the power or not. Just the suggestion that it might be is enough to make a Terran want to Pull their hair out and scream tear the, them in. Tear
1: and tear their hair out. You know out. what?
0: I st- I stopped myself from from doing that. I didn't know if I wanted to be quite so punny today. So thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you were punny for me. Um, tearing, tearing the hair out. So some of it is just junk. But some of the other stuff that's like hiding in the stone of tear is like. I most, like, the two big ones, of course, are calendar and the Redstone Doorway. And the Redstone Doorway could be its own episode.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. It is, is it an object of power, though? Or is it just, like, another weirdy, timey, whimy metaphysical thing? Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like...
0: You know, what? I've always assumed that it's a power rot. Um, object. But that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make it an object of power because well. Okay. So I'm also thinking the dream Tarang that you don't need channeling for to be able to touch Teleron. Yeah. Rode. So would that, but those be are created
1: con- by channelers. Right?
0: I believe so. Like is it channelers
1: the, have to make these tyrangrioles, so
0: is the redstone doorway not made by channelers?
1: I think it's one of those obscure like
0: it says the twisted redstone door frames are a pair of pterongrial of polished redstone.
1: But the but the question is like who made them? You know? Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't say who made it. It just says that it's a Tyringryol. Tyringryol.
1: Perhaps the strangest of all-known Tyringryol are the tall redstone doorways, similar to yet different from one another in form and function. These were an Age of Legends artifact. So I would assume they were made during the Age of Legends... For what reason, we don't know exactly, but these are how they're used now. And how they're used now could be something totally different than what they were intended. You know, kind of like the arch, the three arches within the White Tower.
0: Sorry, I'm just thinking because it seems so specific when you walk through it. So the purpose of I mean since it's a spoiler section I don't really know how far into it we have to get like what it does but like walking through it only works once and there are only two I mean I'm pretty sure there are only two that we know of for the series and one takes you to the Eilfen and the other one takes you to the fen. and
1: Okay, there's the one in Tyr and um, the one in Yes, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it seems as though, because we have multiple people who go through the Redstone Doorway and Tyr in particular, it seems as though they all go through the same experience. The only time the experience into the realm changes is is when Matt goes through by entering through the tower of Genjai. So I don't I think in this one it's actually a really specific purpose. It's in some ways it's almost like the the dream tranquil again. Like you put it on your skin it takes you to Teleronro. That's all it does. It just does one thing. So I don't really know if this one is, like, kind of one of those mysterious ones where it's, like, maybe it did some something different. This one feels really specific. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Yeah. I don't mean, like, I don't mean, like, it do- did something different, like, when you walk through it. I mean, like, the reasoning go- to go through it might mm. be different. Like... Okay. I, see. I know some people have thought that, like, the arches inside the White Tower, like, they're mm-hmm. using it now for the testing, mm-hmm. but at one point it could have been some type of therapeutic thing like that's my favorite one dealing with past traumas or whatever that was from the i think mm-hmm. leaf leaf cast the way of the leaf i really love that one i like but, that one a
0: lot yeah. yeah that's a good theory
1: but as it goes for the redstone doorway uh huh like it's just like what i mean what exactly What purposes, I guess, I'm trying to think of, could you imagine that being for? Off the top of your head, what do you got going? Off
0: off the top of my head, the best thing that I could want something to do would be to grant wishes or answer questions.
1: (laughs) Right, but they get something in return for this. Right. Like the fin they take. Yes. And I don't think the fin are a creation of Mm-mm.
0: No. I I think like I think that they fall in the same category as the O'Gear You know, like they're an other. That's not
1: necessarily the are just interdimensional weirdos and I love them for that. <laughs> I'm a bit of an interdimensional weirdo myself. I was so... gonna say
0: I would want somebody to say that about me. <laughs>
1: Aww. When we did when we did the age of Legends episode with the dusty wheel, someone commented like, I can't wait for you to talk about the to talk about the interdimensional weirdos, but they had tagged <laughs> us in it and I thought that they were calling us interdimensional weirdos. and I was like, okay, that tracks.
0: <laughs> it does. That it does. I like that. Um. So, redstone doorways, interdimensional weirdo meeting, greeting. What else would they do? Or like, and what also,
1: other- why was it protected in tear? You know what I'm saying? Because like the obviously, like the stone of tear itself was made with the one power. Perhaps. As a part of the prophecy to keep Kalendor safe, right? Like that is that a possibility? Like we're just gonna put this giant structure around Kalendor because it makes it that much harder for the prophesized dragon reborn to get to it. Like as a test, like the strongest of tests.
0: I I think that that very much could have been a driving. Oh. A catalyst for how the interior would have been built and why it would potentially be the kind of place that would need the interior that it had to host dignitaries like holding an object of power like that I mean people are going to want to see it you know you're gonna make it and plus being that safe like what if you wanted treaties to to happen? Like, you would have it at the Stone of Tear or something. Like, you would know you would be safe inside it. But
1: Yeah, yeah, but this was, like, much later on with the nobles. Like, the Stone of Tear was made by channelers. Right. So, like, I don't think that they made this the Stone of Tear with that in mind. Like, it'll be for the high lords to...
0: Oh, I thought you meant... Was it made for, like a safety spot for Kalindor. Did I misunderstand you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, that's what I'm saying, but I thought you were saying that, like, defenses as far as, like, signing treaties and whatnot. Oh, oh,
0: all I was trying to point out was, like, how how secure of a place it was. Like, it
1: evolved into that? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, the original intention would have been ultimate protection not only for Kalindor, but for, like, the people that resided inside and for people that they may have coming to the Stone of Tear because it had been, like, when it was first built, those big palatial rooms that we talked about, they had been for high-ranking foreign dignitaries. They weren't necessarily for residents of the stone. And then it evolved so that it was like the kings and now it's at a point where no one feels as though they can occupy them. So while that has changed this ultimate protection for Kalandor has remained the same. The How people feel about it has definitely changed as well I would say about I'm
1: really, Yeah, I'm really curious to just like the storeroom of terangrial Like when when were those hoarded there? like yeah, when like, did when that did become start? its place of safekeeping? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it something that was just accumulated over the centuries? Or was it something that was like, hey, these are important and potentially dangerous. We'll keep them, you know, locked away near Calendar because... If the Dragon Reborn gets Kalendor, he's obviously the Dragon Reborn, so it'll be safe keeping here, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) But as time evolves, the High Lords of Tyr like, well, we have to keep the Stone of Tyr like safe and defended from the Dragon Reborn because when the true Dragon Reborn shows up, we're SOA and all of this becomes his. So like it's it's such a such a strange way how time flips mm-hmm. the what is needed, I guess, and what
0: what is expected.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, cuz I I mean, I think I think it said like the high nobles only go to the heart of the stone where Calendor is like a handful of times a year and they'd rather not ever go there because they want to pretend like it isn't part of their heritage. It's not part of the building that they reside in. Yeah. Like they want (laughs) to pretend like they have nothing to do with that. And I, okay. But I mean, it's there. It's right there. I, what, what happened? Who hurt you? Um Right. It's with tear, I if I remember correctly, and there's a very good chance I don't. Um, I feel as though the Redstone doorway came to tear like 300 years ago from Maine. and they had had it before and their first used it for guidance. Like they would go through it when they felt as though they had the questions that they wanted to ask. And then after that, it just became mm-hmm. useless. And I guess, like, at some point, in order to get Tyr off their back, they offered this redstone doorway because the first had already used it. And whatever. I'm sure there's more to the story than that. But I think that's about the time frame. So for at least 300 years, they're collecting things in the deep, dark basement of the Stone of Tier. I bet most people don't even know what's down there, or that that's down there.
1: It's so fascinating that the door came originally from Mayan. Like, yeah. I don't. Maybe, maybe that's why the wise ones, like Bear Lane, maybe they knew something about like the past rulers of Mayan or maybe. They saw something from the future.
0: Ooh, maybe she had been know. in, like, one of their doorway, ex- like.
1: Uh... <laughs> Experiences.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was like, what word do I want to use for that? Ugh.
1: No, like, that would, I yeah. mean, that would, that could totally make sense. Yeah,
0: I mean, there are so many times where they're like, we knew you were coming.
1: The pro- bear lane, the prophesized hey, bear lane.
0: Hey, hey, it could happen.
1: Bear Lane is the creator.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Hmm. Bear Lane is Nakomi.
0: That's why she's so beautiful. She's like, I can look any way I want to. I want to look perfect. (laughs) Going for perfection. She's a secret
1: channeler. Yeah, she's a secret channeler. She's just very bad at compulsion. Yeah. Never really works out for her.
0: She's a Landfear wannabe and she's she wants to use what, you know, appearance she's given herself and charm she feels she has. Or she's just going to beat people up because that does happen too.
1: You know what, Tracy? Hmm. I told you about that Wheel of Time Origins book that's coming out mm-hmm. and how it's supposed to have some... Big ol' spoiler alerts for who Naomi is. Yeah. I'm really interested in that, but I'm also like, is it gonna be probably just like a boring thing? Or do you think it's like some big sweeping like brain explosion? Like, oh my god, this is Naomi.
0: You know what? I am not expecting a brain explosion. Yeah. She says in the most I always low-key just... possible voice. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. I,
1: I almost just think Naomi is some type of time traveler. Like a channeler from the future that was able to figure out like traveling but through time instead of
0: What if she's just lived a really, really, really long time? Like, what if she's from the Age of Legends? So, like, you're saying, what if she's from the future, and I'm saying, what if she's lived through the past?
1: Yeah, but... Doesn't she kind of, like... Hmm. Yeah, she could be from either, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm. But if she's from the past, I feel like she has important information to give. Mm -hmm. Like...
0: It's basically two sides of the same coin, like whether she has right. the wisdom of the past or the knowledge of the future. Nikomis come to one place. Elements to- of the
1: fat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> elements of the past. Elements of the future. Future <laughs> sailor. That's Nikomi. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm
0: totally blank blanking on the rest of that song but the outfit <laughs> the outfits they're in my head Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. is that nakomi wearing that outfit i doubt it um but maybe
1: i mean it could be, could be. electronic castaways <laughs> digital Total solar ways,
0: ways. <laughs> okay it's so fun. Oh, I, I love that one because then it ends in the crimp off.
1: Mm. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I want.
0: You want a crimping Nakomi, don't you? you That's <laughs> how you want that scene to go down with Avienda. Nakomi just crimps for all of the knowledge. Please God, she, no. <laughs> you don't want that. that? Is not something you want? No.
1: <laughs> I know some people think it could be Avienda from the future.
0: Yeah. I like the idea that it's somehow to grain.
1: You, Tracy, you just want everything to be too grain. I do. To grain cold opens. Yeah. To grain everything.
0: I love her. I mean, she becomes a maiden of the spear. She was never supposed to do that.
1: A lot of people become maidens of the spear. They don't all deserve a cookie.
0: <laughs> well, I would make cookies for all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That reminds me. I baked cookies last night, and I used my big three-ounce cookie scoop, and these cookies are massive. They're so good. Okay. Mm, mm cookie. Have a good
1: cookie. Yeah. So you don't want to really talk well. about Nakomi. That's cool.
0: Um, <laughs> you, Is that what you're you saying? You said something about cookies and maidens of the spirit. I would make cookies for maidens of the spirit in a heartbeat. Do you think Nakomi was a maiden or a wise one? Or both? Cause she's ideal, right? Like I think she's ideal. Yes.
1: Well, I mean that's yeah. It it feels like that's the implication, right? Ye.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that it is. And is it after? Is it after Avienda talks with Nikomi that she reaches Brigidian to go through the glass
1: columns, or mm-hmm. does
0: that ha- so it's before, not after?
1: Mm-hmm. okay what if what if a weird because avienda sees the future when yep. she goes in
0: yeah that's what i was gonna what say what if they call me
1: someone from the far future going through the door frames to see their past and somehow found a way to connect well
0: I think that that's...
1: Like the ghost of Christmas past?
0: Yeah. But again, like what, like what we were talking about with it being like the knowledge of the past, the knowledge of the future, that's what Avienda takes on when she goes through the glass columns. Like she goes through it one way and then she goes back through it the other way. And when she goes back through it the other way, that's when she sees the future And I don't know if she would have made that choice had she not had that conversation with Nikomi. So I feel as though like either direction could have had a larger Right, because in the past
1: in the past they would have probably known what these structures could be used for Mm -hmm. in all in all ways. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they would have have a far greater understanding and knowledge of how they work. And yeah. the intricacies of that, mm-hmm. where the wise ones are usually just like, you go back in time and you see some shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, and I mean,
0: before it was like going through it, surviving going through it meant that you had survived seeing the origins of the IO and bearing the shame that comes along with that knowledge. And many people are not capable of doing that. But when Avienda goes through it, she already knows the story. So for her, it's like, it's still an important moment, but it's not necessarily this, like, mind-breaking revelation for her. So it's not -hmm. not the same thing. But going through and seeing, like, this possible future is potentially enough to break her. It's pretty dismal what she sees when she goes through the second time. So, I mean... On that one, her mental fortitude, her determination is definitely tested. And I think that that was something that Avienda really needed before she could go back and be the wise one she needed to be. So,
1: which, And to stand up to Rand to be like, hey, your Dragon's Peace deal sucks for the Aiel and you've got to change it yeah. now.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, I mean... I guess I don't know. I guess maybe I am leaning towards a ghost of Christmas future on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like Ghost of Christmas Future as well.
0: Considering that that's what pushes Avienda to make those those harder choices and standing against the man she loves, and also. I think it's safe to say the most powerful man in the Westlands. Does that seem accurate? (gasps) Yeah.
1: You know what? Yeah. The relationship between Avienda and Elaine is perfectly set up for like major breakthrough discoveries because Elaine can make Tian. Elaine can make Tarangrial. Uh huh. Avienda can learn. Crazy, complicated weaves. Yes, you know what I mean. Like Mm -hmm. with their powers combined, they could do some crazy stuff. And they're both gonna live a really long time. Yep. So, like, think of all the discoveries that these two women Mm would have found out just from you know being first sisters and hanging out all the time. Mm. And if you know, channeling is genetic what if these are one of their children that Mm -hmm. goes through the doors and is like, this is the past of, you know, my Mm -hmm. (laughs) great-great-great-great-grandmother or, like, my great-great-great-grandmother's first sister or I don't know.
0: Fascinating.
1: And two, with the, with the discoveries made, potentially, <gasps> they would have the opportunity to travel back in time and communicate with the vision of the past. What if I, there's a Tarangriall for that?
0: Well, I was just thinking, Avianda, like one of her talents is being able to pick up something that is an object of power, a trangriol, a songryl, whatever. And she knows what it is. She knows what it does. And she has an idea of like okay. how to make it work. So set her loose in the Stone of Tears. Right. Like kind of like how when they get out of the Rahad and they've like pulled all of the stuff and they mm-hmm. dump it on the ground and they're going through it and Avienda's like, keep get rid of, get rid of, get rid of Keith. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> she's Marie Kondoing her way through. <laughs> Does this spark joy? No.
0: But yeah, I mean like they are, they're a power couple, uh, Avienda and Elaine. Nakomi. You know, if it is if it is somehow Tigraine, she's looking out for
1: <laughs> We're back to Tigraine. I'm just
0: saying in some way, I know, I'm just, I'm just... like, Connected to her through the houses of Andor and whatnot, and she's looking out for Avienda because they 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 have their maiden bond together. Mm-hmm. So I mean,
1: and she w- I think she would want Rand to end up with another right? maiden,
0: you know. I mean, he gets he gets to have the queen, and he gets to have a wise one like he's connected to both parts of what made her who she is and how lovely would mm-hmm. that be it'd be like her giving her blessing to yeah. Elaine and Avienda by giving them this knowledge through Avienda to make sure mm. that Rand comes out where he needs to and his descendants are also taken care of which would mean Tigraine's descendants would be
1: taken care of
0: Da da! This is why it needs to be T grain.
1: Now I'm now I'm back to Team T grain. Yes, but she's she's dead. No, shh shh.
0: Who says? Maybe this is the only way it
1: doesn't work.
0: Maybe this is a Bella moment. Unless, like, where Bella dies
1: at the end. (laughs) Wait, wait. Unless. Tigraine went through the stone archways. No, that wouldn't work because she died young. She wouldn't look like an older woman. Unless she was using the mask of mirrors or whatever it's called. But she can't channel, so that doesn't work either.
0: Do we know for sure that Tigraine died?
1: I'm going to say yes. Okay.
0: Cause I'm just thinking, like, wouldn't it be wild if you know she
1: is still alive? Nobody, no death.
0: Yeah, of course. That's exactly what but I'm thinking. What? And all of I this, all of this time spent living in the IO waste, just like trying to take care of herself, probably of her own, cho- of her own choosing. Like she's probably like, I want to stay dead. I don't want anyone to know I'm alive. And that just like aged her. It's dry in the desert. She's basically a walking mummy.
1: You know. (laughs) Unless it was part of the prophecy where that she was told leave the baby there and never have contact with it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, if she'd been told not to make contact with wacky. she wasn't told not to like like go and talk Make to Make contact one of the, yeah. with his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good theory. I like this one.
1: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Because I'm just, I'm just, I I can see it now. This theory is redonkulous. I like it. Hate, hate, hate. One star. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, meh, I stand. I stand by my ramblings.
1: All right. Anything else about Tier before we call it a day? You know
0: what? I don't know. We. I feel like we like started on Tier and then got to the doorway and then started talking about Aiel and Avienda.
1: <laughs> well, and I feel next time we just can't spend an hour on the non-spoiler stuff, you... and then we can.
0: Our non-spoiler folks deserved an hour today. The last two weeks have been full spoilers, so I don't mind if our spoiler section a little short this week. It was fun. It was fun. I love coming up with, like, ridiculous ideas around, like, what what ifs. I love what ifs, and what ifs with you are always so much fun. So I'm good. I've had a great time. Well,
1: We'll find out in August who the real Nikomi is.
0: Is that when that comes out?
1: I think so. Don't quote me on that. But I think so.
0: I'm I'm going to have to like look into it a little bit because I know you mentioned it the other day, but I really haven't taken a peek. I've been reading for book club, so my internet time is been minimal which has been kind of nice that's the that's the best part about book club less time online more time with my face in a book i love it
1: well say goodbye tracy (sighs)
0: goodbye tracy
1: thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the Wheel of time community
0: let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes.
1: We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalan.